1: here we go jake and josh are here (laughs) to analyze the game they love for the team they love
2: this is another dolphins podcast Podcast.
1: here's your host jake mendel and josh house
0: welcome into another edition of another Dolphins podcast thank you all so much for tuning in thank you all so much for joining us we are closing the book on week one but we couldn't do that josh and i without having our great friend merrick here so uh merrick welcome in welcome back and uh I'm just going to say happy Blade Victory Monday to you.
1: Heck yeah, man. What a game it was. What a game it was. Definitely one of those emotional roller coaster type games up and down. You may have uh, caught me screaming at my television a handful of times, uh, particularly when uh, the Chargers had the ball. Man, that run defense scares me a little bit gives me the uh the, the scaries but uh hopefully they can shore that up moving forward and, and it, it's always great to get a victory week one and the dolphins have done that three three years in a row now so uh we're, we're riding the hot streak
0: we're spoiled we're spoiled joshua how you doing today
2: pretty good man just picked my daughter up from school like i was telling you i think i finally got my mic to work correct me if i'm wrong hopefully that doesn't go out but yeah man we're on here talking about the dolphins i'm sure we're gonna talk we about really no i'm kidding. No. <laughs> oh, <Duke. laughs> Come on, I'm sitting here going through this. right. And I was going to say, of course, we're going to probably talk about Tua, right? We're talking stock up, stock down. Oh, we got can it. at least give Tua, talk about Tua a little bit um, and his AFC Offensive Player of the Week, but I'm great. Anytime I get to see you, you two handsome fellas, I'm doing good. How are you, Jake?
0: Dude, I'm doing great. It's a little humid up here in the Northeast, but we're just pushing through. It's September. It's hot. I'll take it. Uh, gentlemen, before we get started, there was a little news on Wednesday, not something uh, too, too major, but Tron Armstead, he is practicing again. And there's rumors that depending on how well it goes, they'll continue to ramp them up. Gentlemen, give me a guess. When do we think Armstead's back? And on top of that, should they have just put him on IR? I think
1: he'll come back week three. If he's practicing right now, he's got the red non-contact Jersey on and, and, you know, uh, Kendall Lamb, who I'll talk about later, uh, had a a really good week one, really good week one. And I, I think that affords you the luxury of not having to rush Armstead back and allowing him to get, to uh well his version of a hundred percent, I really don't know if Tron Armstead will ever be a hundred percent again, much like myself, we're just old men we're 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 beaten down, life has destroyed us in uh, physically in many many ways so uh, uh, we'll see we'll see about this week. I would guess lean towards week three maybe that that home opener against the Broncos.
0: What do you think, Josh?
2: Yeah, it, it didn't it. it always and now I'm not even on the same computer. I was just gonna say I think week three is a good uh, good week to bring him back because kendall lamb looked really good like miracle tell us so uh bring taron armstead back uh, at a slow steady pace get him ready because like you both said he's not going to play a full season ever probably
0: i don't know if i'm misremembering something but was it last year or maybe two years ago that somebody started the season on the active roster and then they still didn't play like five games and we were wondering why on earth they weren't just placed on ir i i, I don't know if you guys remember that but i vaguely feel like that is, is this a,
1: a will fuller situation a, a byron jones uh <laughs> hopefully, a hopefully not
0: yeah no i i think i'm in the same boat i do i i wish i could add some more context to that that's my little bit of fear is why didn't we put him on ir if he's gonna take a little while but yeah i agree with you guys i think week three makes sense week two if you're feeling a little spicy why not let's go for it today is all about the stonks gentlemen stonk up stonk down we are here to talk about it and. I'd want to put it on you guys. Do we start with the good? Do we start with the bad?
1: Oh, that's, that's a great question. I guess maybe we start with the bad and then work our way towards the good so we can leave people with a, a nice taste in their mouth
2: before they head off to do whatever they're going to do for the rest of the day.
0: Yeah, and, and there was more good
2: too, right? There was more good. So let's yeah. get the the little bad out of the way and then we'll perk everybody up.
0: As Josh called it, let's get this little bad out of the way. Merrick, you're our guest for today, so why don't you start us up? Who stonk has gone down?
1: Well, I'm gonna start. Uh, I'm gonna start on this offensive line, A- and you know the offensive line actually performed well. Uh, no sacks allowed, so that's awesome. And and this particular player actually got uh, got some some good markings from uh, the Pro Football Focus website, PFF. I know. PFF has their, uh, haters out there and, and maybe sometimes we would categorize ourselves in that, uh, bucket, but, uh, he, he performed well, according to PFF, he was actually the number two graded offensive lineman for the Miami Dolphins. And that's center Connor Williams. Uh, he blocked well, one thing he didn't do well though. And I think you guys know where I'm going with this. He didn't snap the ball. Well, yeah, he didn't no snap thing. the ball. Well, multiple, mul- multiple, uh, muffed snaps. Uh, and one actually cost the Miami Dolphins points on their opening drive you know Tua drove the ball downfield got them first and goal from the two-yard line it looked like we were about ready to start the season off right with a touchdown at the very very least a field goal get points on the board first against the Chargers and uh, no that didn't happen it was a bad snap by Connor Williams actually his second bad snap uh, on the drive the very first snap of the miami Dolphins season was a was a, a muffed snap connor williams it looked like maybe he snapped it a little earlier or or something like that and Tua was wasn't able to corral it so uh, connor williams like listen dude if you're going to miss time in the offseason complaining about your contract and, and saying you deserve more money maybe you don't want to come out week one and have multiple muff snaps uh it's not a good look for you bro it's just not a good look it makes you look bad you're blocking again no problem with the blocking stock up on the blocking but those snaps you need to clean it up it needs to get better as the season progresses or man I was so I was so nervous that that Tua was going to get jumped on by some of these big defensive linemen they were going to jump on his head or uh, you know maybe another concussion there or jump on his legs and break his ankles and I don't know man I was I was really nervous for Tua thankfully he avoided injury uh, but but these these snaps they just they have to be better going forward or it's going to cost the Dolphins a game at some point point. and it very nearly almost did this first week against the Chargers.
0: Where are you in terms of is it just queasy or are you legitimately concerned about this? I get like stock down thousand percent, but but queasy True. meter. Let's actually put that in the mix too.
1: I'm nervous, man. I am. I, I am pretty nervous about this. On a scale of 1 to 10, I, I'm, I'm going to rank that pretty highly, a 7 or an 8 there, because this isn't the first time that Connor Williams has had snap issues. And last year was his first year playing center in the NFL. So, so you almost give him a pass last year. But we're in year two now, and you had an entire offseason to work on it. And we were hearing reports from training camp this offseason that his snaps were still an issue. Well, I want to know why that is why you haven't cleaned that up, why you're demanding more money when you haven't cleaned that up. And I want to know if this is going to continue to be a problem moving forward because centers, you got to do a lot when you're a center. It's, it's a dirty job. You got to snap the ball and then you have to be able to block well, whereas the other offensive linemen only have to worry about the blocking. So I get it. It's tough. It's not the easiest job out there. And then he's got to worry about making the calls at the line and and telling, you know, this guard to block this guy and you got to do this and yada, yada, yada. I get it. It's tough. But job number one is snap the ball and snap the ball well. And he didn't do that on numerous occasions. Week one to his credit. He did come out after the game, and he said, hey, that's on me. First game jitters. I'm going to get that cleaned up, and I will be better going forward. So, you know, you, you, you put it out there in the universe, Connor Williams. You need to be better. I agree. Hopefully he's working on that this week, and hopefully we won't see it, you know, become a problem again this Sunday or any Sundays moving forward.
2: Yeah, we saw a little bit of it last year, but the first game of the year, this is not what you want to see out of it. Like you mentioned, the guy that's sitting there holding out that we were all, you know, we all felt confident, you know, he did look good at center, you know, if he can bring these snap issues and get that under control, he is a very good center. So um, it's, kind of sh- a bad look when like you said he sat out all that time I will say you mentioned he almost threw this game away and costed Miami this game if you go back and watch that um the play before the half where JC Jackson got that interception Tua wasn't even ready for that snap the way Connor Williams snapped it into his stomach so um there would have been a potential fumble as well so Connor Williams is great in pass protection great at run blocking but he needs to figure out those snaps and let's be honest some of it wasn't all on him we saw Tua maybe bobble a snap you know who knows with a center and uh exchange when he's under his tookus but overall connor williams stock down
0: yeah i completely agree i won't say it's too too much of a worry yet you consider that the offensive line didn't allow a single slack i think the the key for this group is it's never going to be pretty but it's never going to be ugly i think actually i I guess that was still pretty ugly with those snaps but but i guess what i'm trying to say is it's not disastrous
2: it was still still not Liam meikenberg that's what i was gonna say
1: it's still not Liam meikenberg so we're good no, and we didn't see Liam Eikenberg, I don't think. Or did he get rotated in? I can't remember. He, if he played had one
0: snap at left guard. It was very weird. Isaiah Wynn missed one snap, and it was like the first play of the second drive, and all I could think is, please don't try to be too smart. And, and I thought they were going to do every other possession, have someone else out there, and I was going to lose my mind.
1: Yeah, I wonder if anyone has asked McDaniel about that yet, or if anyone will ask uh, mcdaniel about why liam Meikenberg was in there for one snap it may be That's something probably- as simple as isaiah when shoe came untied or something and he was like send liam out there i gotta tie this shoe
2: i don't
0: know josh who do you got for stock down
2: Okay, this kind of pains me a little bit because, I mean, we all know that linebacker is an issue for the Miami Dolphins, has been for a while. Um, I'm a guy that likes to watch the linebackers. I thought David Long Jr., when you watched his tape at Tennessee, would be a nice fit in Miami's off uh, defense. And whether it was missing time in camp with the injuries, the injury history that he has. And then this first game with the Miami Dolphins against the Chargers, he had 17 total reps nine in against the run eight in pass coverage. He was in the box 14 times and in the slot three times. And we all know we saw that uh, catch Keenan Allen had where David Long was just like five or six yards trailing him in coverage, how that matchup even came about. I'd love to know, but um, for a guy who, you know, looks so promising that could maybe be that, leader in the middle of the Dolphins defense, that extra linebacker that we've all wanted for so long. I mean, I'm not sitting here saying Dave Long's a bust, but when you brought him in to be a difference maker, you were hoping to see more out of him than 17 total snaps and to see Andrew Van Ginkle out snap him. So um, he was out there for that big Austin Eckler run that got gashed, and I'm not sure we saw him much after that. So between the Keenan Allen uh, completion, the big gain, and then him just completely, I don't know if he got sucked in, you know, read the wrong lane, whatever it was, on that huge Austin Eckler run, but... We didn't see much of David Long after that. So stock down for David Long. Hope he can pull it together because, again, when you watch a tape, when he's healthy, what he did before his time in Miami, he looked like a difference maker. And he did so even in the preseason, if we're being honest.
0: Merrick, I want to ask you, Mike McDaniel had an interesting quote on Wednesday. He was asked about the defense. And I think he summed it up by saying there were too many guys just trying to make a play instead of being a part of the play. I feel like David Long kind of sits in that category, at least for week one.
1: Yeah. And you know, he's the new guy. He's the newcomer. Uh, And if you read between the lines this off season, you could tell Vic Fangio wasn't as impressed with David Long as maybe we were hoping he would be. A lot of us had high hopes. A lot of us Dolphins fans had high hopes for David Long. And I think that's still warranted. You know, you could still hope that that he turns it around and, and gets more playing time. He only played 17 snaps on defense for the Dolphins. Andrew Van Ginkle, who, is learning middle linebacker right now has been a, an off ball, you know, outside linebacker, his entire career, rushing the passer, uh, almost exclusively, uh, he played significantly more snaps than David long jr. Did on Sunday against the chargers. And I think Mike McDaniel talked about that today and he said, Oh, well, that was just the specific game plan for this opponent. So whatever that means, I'm not sure. Uh, we'll have to see if that continues on Sunday night football against the Patriots, Patriots have a different breed of running back. You know, Austin Eckler's more of that that small speedster, shifty kind of guy. Great pass catcher out of the backfield. Whereas Zeke Elliott and Ramondre Stevenson, they're more kind of just you know jam it down your throat type guys. They're gonna they're gonna. Try to bully you, really. Um, so maybe David Long is better against that type of running back. And that's how Vic Fangio feels. We'll, we'll have to see. And we'll keep a close eye on that moving forward. Certainly not ready to give up on David Long Jr. just yet. Uh, but I did find it quite interesting that he only played 17 defensive snaps. And he you know, seems to be, appears to be healthy. So you, you can't really blame injury for that either. So interested to see what he does moving forward starting this Sunday against the Pats.
0: I don't know if it's copium or or what, but I genuinely believe Mike McDaniel when he says it was uh, scheme-oriented. I mean, Josh, you said it. It's not hard to get a matchup where you have Keenan Allen on David Long Jr., and all of a sudden you're running down the field. Hell, the first play of the season was Tyreek Hill being covered by Khalil Mack, right? So these this was a very tough opponent for the Dolphins' uh, defense. I think they'll do a lot better with the more physical uphill, downhill runners, like the reminder Stevenson's like the Zeke Elliott's Josh, do you see that maybe being David Long's opportunity where it fits that idea of, he can just be that missile, hit the hole and, and see who comes out alive.
2: Yeah, I think, I think what Mike McDaniel said, he's probably being honest when he said, you know, guys were just trying to make plays and not, you know, be part of the play. And then you also got to look at those snaps as far as scheme. I mean, Los Angeles Chargers went up tempo there for a little bit. So there were times when Andrew Van Ginkle was stuck on the field, and it did look like the Chargers at some points were, you know, running towards him. But um, I do think he'll settle down and he'll become hopefully that linebacker that we all hope for. Um, I don't have his contract in front of me, but I remember when he did sign it, I was thinking, damn, they got him for pretty close to, you know, a a pretty good deal. So I'm not ready to give up on him by any stretch of the imagination. But again, he was a guy I was super stoked about, especially seeing his first game. And he let me down a little bit. So stock down. um, Hopefully he does better on Sunday night football. Wish the Dolphins were wearing their throwbacks for that one. But we can talk about that another time. Yeah,
1: come on. Stock down Tom Garfinkel or whoever's in charge of that.
2: All of them. Mike McDaniel's got to put his foot down too. Like, dude, they're wearing Seriously. their throwbacks. What? Like, I'm, I'm did you see Tua coming
1: times? coming into the tunnel? He was wearing he was wearing throwback stuff, Speaking but it generation. wasn't the throwback throwback. Yeah, it was like it was the early two thousands throwbacks, which was weird. That's like my least favorite logo out of all of them, and the only Dang. logo I actually have tattooed on my body, which is stupid. So,
2: and most of my life was that logo. So I don't know why I don't like it so much, but he did. Yeah, it just looks like
1: Sunday morning cartoons. No, oh, Josh, super
0: them. frozen for this one. <laughs> oh, man.
1: Who's your stock down, Jake?
0: I went with someone who I uh, don't think you could even recognize him being on the field if uh, you rewatched the game, and that's Emmanuel Agba. It just seemed like this was a scenario where you see the explosiveness of players you have, like Jalen Phillips. Where on earth was Emmanuel Agba? Well, I'll tell you where. He was on the field for 18 snaps, he had a PFF grade. Sub 30. So, gentlemen, when you think about this Miami Dolphins roster, you think about these high-priced uh, players they have, especially over the defensive line, that could have been a difference maker against the Chargers. You need that depth. You need that stud. I mean, Emmanuel is a backup, but he is getting paid like someone who's going to be a playmaker. We need to see him out there doing his throw the dice celebration because he should be a good run stopper. He should be out there. The fact he played only 18 snaps and really struggled in the, struggled in them, Makes me a little queasy that Josh Boyer's defense might have been his uh, secret sauce because when you look at his time in Cleveland and you think of his time in Kansas City, he was a very different player that, not trying to hate, i very happy he's on the team. I'm glad they made the deal before free agency. He would not have gotten that deal if he wasn't going bananas in Miami. I think he had nine and a half sacks back-to-back seasons where it really set the tone, but we haven't seen that guy in close to two years now. Welcome back, Josh.
2: Yeah, man, I don't know what happened there. I went into a whole nother multiverse and came back out and spit me back out. But I heard what you said about Agba, man. I mean, when you're paying him that much money, you do want to see more out of him, right? I mean, and when you need that help up front against a run, even in pass, I mean, we see him getting those big paws up there. He's talked about being in playing in coverage a little bit more. So um, I'll be the first one to admit, I beg on my face. I know we did plenty of pods, Jake, where, you know, throughout the season, you start to realize when... Agba wasn't out there. This defense was completely different. So you realize what he meant to this defense, but I don't know that he means that to this defense at this point. So um, you could see the little kid peeking behind. Um, uh, but I don't I don't think that that really matters. I think if the Dolphins had their, um, you know, if it was up to the Dolphins, they probably would trade Emmanuel Agba as quick as they can, get that money off the books. But who you get to trade him to? Colts for Jonathan Taylor? I mean, come on.
0: Who thought of that idea? Come on.
1: <laughs> well, they, there's a couple more weeks until, until maybe that gets done there. But yeah, Emmanuel Ogba, he's he's a high high paid guy. He makes a lot of money, makes a lot of money. And you know I think that's part of the reason why he's still on the team because that contract makes him kind of untradable and certainly makes him uncuttable. You're not going to sit there and eat. I don't even know what it is, like 15 million or 17 million or something like that. You're not just going to eat that. Uh, I do think it's his last year as a Miami Dolphin, but I hope we can get some productive snaps out of him before we do end up cutting him loose um i I, I forget which one of you said it but i would like to see him play inside a little bit more i think they're trying this experiment where they're trying to play him on the outside and drop him back into no don't do that don't do that he's a big guy just put him in the middle we need to stop the run The run defense needs to get a lot better and maybe he can help with that so you know whoever whoever can do it uh maybe it's Ogbo, maybe it's somebody else that that rushing defense needs to be a ton better.
0: And Josh actually made a good point, too. Um, what I, what makes Agba special on this all defensive line, considering you have Jalen Phillips, who's already in the ring of honor, considering you have Christian Wilkins ready to, bank, to break the bank, and then you have Zach Sealer just earned a new contract. Agba's a little different where he – as Josh said, can bat balls down. You don't see that much from Christian Wilkins, Zach Sealer. It will happen, but I think that's what really was a difference maker for someone like Agba is I think he batted down like four balls uh, when he was healthy. So just having that situation where maybe he can clog up up a lane in the passing game, even that too, is something I want to watch more. But man, for the amount he's getting paid, 18 snaps just seems so, so crazy. And that might be my biggest surprise out of these three. What do you guys think?
1: I think that Vic Fangio doesn't care what we think, you know, and I don't think Vic Fangio cares what anybody thinks. And I don't think Vic Fangio cares if you're making 15 million dollars a year or if you're on a veteran minimum salary. I think Vic Fangio is a no BS kind of guy. And what he sees in practice is what he goes on. And he doesn't care what you've done in the past or or anything like that. If he sees you in practice, not doing what he wants you to do, then you're not going to get as many snaps as the guy next to you on game day. And in some respects, that's great. You know, that's actually going to be better for this Miami Dolphins team in the long run. You would, though, as a fan, and I'm sure Chris Greer as the GM, you would hope that you could kind of marry those big contract guys with your best performers, and then therefore they become the, the guys on defense or any, you know, part of the field those are your guys that get the most snaps so uh you know as far as david long jr goes he, you know he's one of the more higher price guys even though they got him on a deal and certainly emmanuel Ogba. hopefully these guys can uh can figure it figure it out and, and help this defense out and then hopefully with Connor Williams he just gets those snaps better because everything else was good from Connor on sunday you know we don't want to be too down on him but just get those snaps where they need to go when they need to go and uh, everything will be
2: all right on that front too
0: Josh, you got a negative uh, thought to wrap us up here?
2: Yeah, I was just going to say, I'm a little bit um, disappointed in all of these guys, but I continue to go back to David Long. I will say the one thing with Emmanuel Agba, it goes back to the David Long situation. They were running the ball effectively, kind of went up tempo. Do you think maybe they were trying to get Agba out there? I mean, um, that's just me. Tin, I don't even have a foot hat, but you know what I'm saying. So hopefully they utilize Agba. I know Merrick said he didn't care. Vic Fangio doesn't care how much you get paid, but I kind of feel like if you're getting paid that much money, get your ass up there, you know, put him in the interior of this defensive line and let him do things that some of these other guys might not be able to do in certain situations. So get your most out of Emmanuel Agba, but I think we can all agree. He's probably done after this year and we're all down on that.
0: So let's get up. I'm going to stop saying stonks. (laughs) I'll just use stocks for the rest of this because I saw Merrick ready to rip his hair out for me saying that. So Josh, if you aren't ready to jump into like the chalk zone or another universe, let, can you get us started here with a uh, stock up?
2: Dude, I don't know what's going on because they even came out. Uh, they called me up Xfinity up my Internet. So everything should be good. But it's every time we do these streams. But uh, my stock up is going to be Braxton Berrios. I mean, he only had three catches, um, five targets for 42 yards, two yards uh, after the catch. But those catches that he made, especially the two in the fourth quarter late in the game when the Dolphins needed them were just so impressive. He finished with a 69.1 overall PFF grade, had 35 nice. total offensive snaps, and lined up basically split right down the middle on the inside and the outside. So take that for whatever you might. But Braxton Berrios, between him and Tua Tanvaloa, it seemed like they had some chemistry there. I know there was a player earlier in the game. I think he got called back on a hold, but Tua found him for a first down between two guys. He kind of got sandwiched there. He held onto to the football, and he went up there and made the grab. But again, the one where Tua broke cover you know contained rolled out to the sideline hit Braxton Barrios, who somehow got down and then the one in the middle of the field on what was it third and 10 they needed it to continue that drive and he just put it between the keyhole window and Braxton Barrios got his hands under it so for a guy that was sitting here trying to hype up Robbie Chosen I mean again I'm still kind of um, stoked for him I don't know why um, Tua tried to take that chance when we saw Braxton Barrios <laughs> one-on-one coverage and he threw that pick so I do got to throw that out there but Basically, everything that we saw from Braxton Barrios, he went above and beyond what we expected. And I have to ask, he did play for the New England Patriots. He played for the Jets. Is this finally our West Welker? Like, are we getting our West Welker now in return? Because, uh, you know, we gave West Welker up to the Pats. Now this is their way of giving us a West Welker back. Because let's be honest, that's who he reminds you of, right? He's downfield making blocks. He's picking apart different zones. I was really stoked on Braxton Barrios. And I'm excited to see what's next for him. Because he did come out and emerge as that legitimate number three target in this offense.
1: Yeah, and who was that for the Dolphins last year? Like Trent Sherfield?
2: Like yeah, and, yeah, and like I you know, say, Trent, I won't say the other name because I think Jake might have something to say about the other name. So Trent Sherfield, he did some good things for the Dolphins last year.
1: You know, most people are going to cite his blocking ability uh, as a positive for the Miami Dolphins, but. When you got a guy like Braxton Berrios, that can be that third option, such a reliable third option. I believe he was on the uh receiving end of that third and 15 late in the game. Tua rolls out to his left and then launches that 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 17-yard pass just to get that first down, just past the first down marker. Man, that was like, like one Hunter of my Steve favorite plays. I'll
0: say no, no, the sideline yeah. is super incomplete, and he just comes walking out and points. It was yeah. he has it, guts.
1: That might've been my favorite play in the game on Sunday. And one of my favorite uh, throws I've ever seen from Tua and to have Braxton on the receiving end of that, that just shows how much faith Tua already has in the newcomer Braxton Berrios. Um, so if you can trade a Trent Sherfield for a Braxton Berrios and you can get that type of production out of Berrios, with his first in his first game as a Miami Dolphin like that's that's definitely stock way up for Barrios, and he should have himself a, a nice season moving forward
0: part of the reason we did this too I just want to throw this out here I think it's pretty obvious Tiger Kill's amazing his, his stock can't go any higher Tua we've been talking about him all week so we are definitely identifying some players who we think that you should probably keep an eye on next week Sunday potato potato Josh I completely agree with you I'm not saying he's Wes Welker. I'm not saying he's going to have the career of Wes Welker. What I'm saying is, I remember a Denver Broncos offense that had two studs on the outside, and there's Wes Welker still having like 90 receptions, being that money down type of player. That's kind of the idea I'm getting out of Braxton berrios It's just someone who you can always have those third down plays to, someone you can trust, someone who's not going to drop the ball, who's going to be there on the slant. And the important part is they can play with Tyreek. He can play with Jalen Waddle, And having that third guy who can be a playmaker is just so important, I feel.
2: Yeah, and let's not forget he brings an element to the return game, right? We didn't really see it week one, but I'm sure he's going to take one to the house, and we're all going to be sitting here, chanting for that. He does everything, you know, good and, and well, and I think he's going to take it to the next level, as we saw. I mean, wow. Jets fans were ready to give up on him, right? New England got gave up on him. I mean, he came to Miami. A lot of people thought he might just be a return specialist. He showed in the first game, you know, he's a legit – um target and are you guys anybody targeting him in fantasy anytime soon or is he way out there i mean if you have two of maybe you're gonna go out there and get a uh braxton barrios as your your flex maybe in a ppr no not yet
0: full ppr yeah i think i might i think full ppr i don't think anything else though i don't think but you said you weren't ready to call
2: him the next Wes Welker. I I'll, I'll be the one that's I'll say that. I will have the egg on my face. He I can fits, say He fits the normal.
0: the the mold that he, he fills the requirements the dolphins are asking of him. I just don't want to compare him to a Hall of Famer just just yet. Even though that's his coach, and that's probably why he reminds of it, us of him so much. Gentlemen, I'm gonna stick with receivers, and I wanna ask you guys a question. The fact I'm asking it gives it away. Who do you think spent more of their snaps blocking on Sunday? Durham Smythe? River Craycraft.
1: <laughs> well, yes, I, I do think you gave it away. So uh, tell us tell us about Mr. Craycraft.
0: 40% of Craycraft's snaps were spent as a blocker. Durham Smite, 37%. I was actually caught off guard with how Often I saw Durham Smythe roaming in the secondary. It just felt very weird to me. But River Craycraft, man, is someone that we need to keep an eye on. I think we kind of forgot him a little bit when it was uh, him and Trent Sherfield came over from San Fran. It was just like, oh, Mike McDaniel's got his guys. And you see Trent Sherfield make a couple big plays and, and make some big money going to Buffalo. River Craycraft is what opens up big plays. His ability to block down the field, his he caught. What was it? The first touchdown of the year, touchdown pass of the year, also went to River Craigcraft. I just think there's a certain level of versatility, and when you think about this preseason battle, right? Robbie Chosen, River Craigcraft. Obviously, everyone's gonna say this dude's a thousand yard receiver. He's a burner. He can replace Tyreek Kill. Craigcraft does such a great job of those timing routes. Robbie Chosen, he really, really struggled. And while we wanna throw it deep all the time, I think Miami does have a really good thing in place in terms of hitting those timing routes, hitting those slants. And I think just River Craycraft does so many different things. And it's just like having like another fullback on the field. I'm not saying he's built like a fullback, but his ability to block makes it a little challenging when you're trying to work downfield and work in that secondary.
1: Yeah, I think you're right, Jake, with with Craycraft. I think Tua probably trusts Craycraft more than he trusts Robbie Chosen. And this is Craycraft's second year playing with Tua. So, so that makes a little sense there. But you're right when you talk about this offense being based around timing and anticipation, you know, we all saw the cutups of, of Tua starting his windup when these receivers were covered. And then he throws it to a, you know, a spot on the field and the receiver has just enough time to get to that spot. That's just what Tua likes to do. And Craycraft is probably a little bit more dependable in that department. You know, he's going to run the route. That's asked exactly how uh, they ask him to run it. Whereas maybe Robbie chosen wants to freelance a little bit more and, and, and doesn't care as much about being as exact with his route running. But but Craycraft uh, had himself a great game. A couple drops. I think I remember a couple drops from Craycraft from in that one. But overall, definitely, he's that's Craycraft, maybe. He's good for three or four touchdowns a year. You're going to see that. It's not the last time you'll see him in the end zone. Uh, and like you said, blocking was, was uh, another stock-up situation for him too. So real happy with his performance.
0: Josh, I know you have have you guys played Mario Party? Yes. A,
1: a handful of times, yeah.
0: Remember whether it's a crayon, cran, crayon, wow. I've been working all day. I'm sorry. Or a uh a jackhammer. There were these, there was a mini game where you had to trace lines, and whoever had the highest percentage of the line traced was the winner. When you look at that's how I would want to compare someone like Robbie Chosen and, and River Craigcraft. Robbie Chosen might have a couple wiggles there, it might just be a little loose. River Craycraft's just going to be tight down the line. And I think that might be the best comparison <laughs> I can make to find the type of receiver Miami needs. They don't have to be the most physical. They don't have to be the fastest. You got to be able to draw in the lines. Game time.
1: Was, I was so bad at that mini game. I was a Robbie chosen.
0: <laughs> oh my God. I definitely, I'm like a Mike Wallace. Just wobbly. <laughs>
2: yeah i'm no i'm no good at that but i i I mean we all see why he's out there right i mean he knows this offense you know like the back of his hand he you mentioned he's been in for two years now here merrick but he also was in a similar offense to san francisco so um i have that he's crafty i thought that was uh you know real clever there right yeah he's crafty i like the way they used him you know the different motions you mentioned it though him in the run game you know him doing things downfield he's a guy that does everything well and maybe shame on me for saying that braxton barrios emerges at number three because river craycraft would like a word right so um he had the touchdown early on. I did have a note written down, though, that Durham Smythe was wide yeah. open on that route as well. So um, take that for whatever it is. But Craycraft is, um, you can see why he's on the Dolphins, and he's hes a guy that Mike McDaniel and Tua to Tavaloa trust. So stock up for sure.
0: Shout out Durham Smythe. I don't yes. know how he was able to do that. Whatever it is, whatever it is happening in my mind, I would have went up and tried to hit that ball. I would have thought for sure that ball was coming to me and it was a little thrown off. I'm so impressed that he just knew the guy would be behind him and he had the instinct to put his hand down. Those are little things you don't think about, but, man, I'd be I'd be alligator arming that thing for sure.
2: And stop May- up for Durham Smythe, right? He was a guy that we could have sat here and talked about if we wanted to. He's looking like he's becoming a pass catcher a little bit, definitely becoming more involved in this offense. So I was c- contemplating him or Braxton Barrios, but what Barrios did I thought I had to say. But, yeah, man, that's it.
0: Eric, did you have one final thought there? I thought I interrupted you.
1: Oh no, I was just gonna say maybe Smythe didn't jump up for that ball to Craycraft because he was like, Who do you think I am? Mike Kasicki? I don't got I don't got those ups, man.
0: There it is. I like that. I like that quite a bit. And and I think it's interesting. I don't think Braxton Berrios and River Craycraft fill the same role. I think Berrios is meant to be the slot receiver where I think Craycraft can run a little more of those outside in breaking routes uh that just require that timing. I'm sorry I keep going back to that, but I do feel there's a little bit of a difference there in terms of what you'll see on the field. Do you guys feel the same on that? Am I just going a little crazy here?
1: No, you know, we talked about it earlier. Maybe craycraft is more of your trent shurfield replacement maybe they said hey let's take what shurfield did and split that into two players let's get craycraft out there mainly for his blocking ability and then we'll get braxton barrios out there mainly for his uh, receiving ability and and we'll take trent shurfield we'll splice him right down the middle and we'll have these two tiny little white guys come out of them
0: it's a very nice way to put it actually (laughs) and Josh, just so you know this this podcast title at least this clip you know, you already know it. He's real crafty. That's exactly what this podcast title is going to be. So you should be proud.
2: I'm a little proud, for sure. We'll, we'll go with that.
0: Merrick, I think you're here to close us out here.
1: Well, real quick. Okay, I meant to talk about this last week, but I'm I'm going to go stock up this podcast. Stock up this podcast. Two weekends ago, I was in the uh, Chicago O'Hare Airport. And I was eating at uh, Romano's macaroni grill, which I had a very delicious chicken scallopini. So I'm stuffing my face with this pasta and I'm in a Dolphins hat like I often am. And this guy comes up to me and he goes, hey, how are the Finns going to do this year? I was like, oh, you know, you know, hopefully they'll have a good season. You know, team looks a little bit better. Should be good. Right. And he goes, you're Merrick, aren't you? And I was like, what the hell? And he was like. And he was like, yeah, yeah, from uh, from another Dolphins podcast. You're Merrick, right? Big fan, big fan of the podcast, big fan of Jake and Josh. And I was like, what is going on right now? And I had, you know, admittedly had a couple beers at the Romano Macaroni Grill as well. If they'd like to sponsor the, pos- the, the podcast, please reach out, uh, Romano. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I thought it was pretty cool. So I want to give a shout out to Andrew from upstate New York. If you're listening right now. You made me feel like the coolest dude in the Romano's Macaroni Grill, so I appreciate that.
0: I got a pitch. Pennsylvania, Massachusetts, Idaho, upstate New York. Iowa. <laughs> Iowa. Sorry, my bad about that. It's not the first time. It won't be the last. <laughs> and now we got – I feel like a place in the middle of Chicago just makes the most sense for us to be like our biggest sponsor. Just with the ridiculous, nothing makes sense here, we're all just scattered across the world. I, Yeah, I, I, I could buy that 100%.
1: I think it's cool. So I just wanted to make sure I, I shouted Andrew out on the podcast. But my my real stock up for this past week uh had to be Kendall Lamb. You know, we talked about we talked about how nervous we were that Teron Armstead was not going to be playing in that game, especially when the Chargers defense was healthy, because the Chargers defense had their way with this with this Dolphins offense last year, and that was without. Derwin James. That was without Joey Bosa. That was without J.C. Jackson. And this time we were without Teron Armstead. And we thought, oh man, Joey Bosa is just gonna eat Kendall Lamb's lunch. And that didn't happen. Tua Tungabailoa didn't get sacked a single time. And and I saw online after the game or, or after this this first week was over that Kendall Lamb was actually the twelfth best offensive tackle in the entire league uh, at pass block win rate percentage. It's a lot of words there. I I struggled to get it all out, but essentially the 12th best pass blocking offensive tackle in the NFL. And he's the backup to Teron Armstead. So Kendall Lamb, you showed up, you showed out and you, you, you calmed all of our nerves. And if we're without Armstead this Sunday against the Patriots, I think Kendall Lamb will be able to go out there, be serviceable once again, and really more than serviceable. He excelled. He did a great job. And now we're kind of, left with the question of what do you do with Kendall Lamb when Teron Armstead comes back? Because Austin Jackson had a decent game as well. You know, maybe not as good of a game as Lamb did, but you don't really want to move Lamb from the left side to the right side, but you don't really want to take him off the field. So do you play him at left guard? But Isaiah Wynn did all right in that spot too. It's a little bit of a conundrum. Um, so for, for that reason, I think maybe you you wait a little bit on Armstead. You get him 100% before you bring him back. Lamb provides you that luxury. But definitely stock up Kendall Lamb uh week one. Thank you for your service, Mr. Lamb, because uh, Tua Loa was able to pass for 466 yards behind that offensive line, and Kendall Lamb was a big part of that.
2: Yeah, I just – I mean, I, egg on my face, man. You were sitting there. I was joking with you. Oh, you're going to – you feel okay with Kendall Lamb and – um Isaiah Wynn, that's what you're trying to say. I mean, Isaiah Wynn, we all kind of knew was going to play left guard or hope so, but Kendall Lamb absolutely showed up and he looked great. I don't think there's any issue there and I think it does allow you time to give Teron Armstead, you know, time to get actually healthy and then hope that he can make it through the rest of the season because, I mean, you're already getting Jalen Ramsey back in the middle of the year. If you need to take a week or two, you know, three, whatever it might be, maybe give Kendall Lamb more run out there, but he played great. and He's a guy that I would love to put on ice and just have as as that backup in case you need to, you know, put him out there in Teron Armstead did I disappear again? See the thing, Just welcome back. So, yeah, welcome back. So, um, shout out Kendall Lamb. Sorry for doubting you. I should never did that, and sh- uh, I think we all kind of doubted them. Moving on from Brandon Shell is that you know versatile veteran depth piece at tackle. I think uh, what they got in Kendall Lamb is a home run, and um, it'll be interesting to see if he continues to play this well. And um, Toronto continues to be an issue. I hope that doesn't happen. But with his contract and everything, you know, are we going to see Kendall Lamb as the starting left tackle for the next? five years like we had hoped Teron Armstead I don't even want to speak that into existence he's
0: already like a nine-year vet that's what makes it crazy um can we call Kendall Lamb though for the rest of the year just because whenever there's going to be a disaster on this offensive line he just makes us a little less queasy he filled in for Tron Armstead perfectly and Merrick I completely disagree with you he should not be on that field if Tron Armstead is out there because we know for damn sure he's going to be called on once again and we need to make sure he's safe put him that's- in
1: bubble wrap huh?
0: So much bubble wrap because he, he played well, it wasn't the cleanest, it wasn't the most perfect, but he got it done against a great pass rush, and that's what's important. So I want to ask you guys, Um, I wish I did a little more research into this before, but you mentioned Brandon Shell last year. Jesse Davis doesn't even count, so I'll shut up. Has Miami kind of turned a page in terms of for depth on the offensive line, trying to make sure they're veterans—five, six, seven-year veterans—they might not be the best players, just people who know how to play football. I mean, I remember what two all seasons ago trying to talk myself into uh, an undrafted free agent at a UMass being the backup left t- tackle, right? And and how far we've come.
1: Yeah. <sighs> I think a lot of this really does come down to the coaching of Butch Berry. And I think he got a lot of flack this off season, you know, like not to a tongue of level hate, but he got a lot of hate when that hire was made. And people talked about the sticky notes in Denver and, and laughed at him and made fun of him. Well, everything we've heard, out of Miami gardens this offseason is that this offensive line has looked better. Butch Berry's coaching style, um, you know, while he may be a bit of a hard ass, it seems to be reaching these players. And then we come out here week one, this offensive line does not give up a single sack. That's with the backup left tackle playing against a couple, all pro guys in Joey Bosa and Khalil Mack. And again, the, the line looks competent. It looks good. It's not the best offensive line in the league, but this offense doesn't need the best offensive line line in the league because Tua doesn't hold the ball very long he gets the ball out quickly so you do just enough and just enough is just enough and, and it's good enough for this team to put up 36 points against what's supposed to be a good chargers defense a chargers defense uh that that held this offense in check last year so stock up Butch Berry of, of all people so good on him Nosferatu looking dude yeah everyone well,
2: go ahead. What were you going to say? Let's hear it. I was going
0: to say, we've been doing this podcast for so long. Can you believe we're hyped up about backup offensive linemen? That just seems very weird for being a Dolphins fan.
2: Yeah, this is all weird, and I just hope this continues to be weird. I hope we continue to see Tua MVP talk, Coach of the Year, Mike McDaniel, whatever it might be. Um, but Merrick, he hit it right on the head there with uh, Butch Bear. He was a guy that, you know, that's kind of why when these signings happen, if you don't know anything about them, just keep it your mouth shut, right? Like, I, I didn't know anything about Butch Bear. I couldn't sit here and say, um, you know, one way or the other, whether – whether he was a solid offensive line coach, but what we've seen so far is that he's better than what came before him. So um, shout out, stock up Butch Berry, and hopefully this offensive line continues to do what they did because that's my biggest fear is it's only been one week, right? And we might turn into a pumpkin, but it just feels different this year. So shout out to the entire offensive line, even Austin Jackson was someone that we could have came on here and talked about, and that's just, I I never thought that would be possible. And he's what, 23 years old?
0: Bringing in someone like Butch Berry is so interesting because I'd love to be a fly on the wall about how that dynamic developed when you had someone like Frank Smith who spent so much time working on the offensive line. All of a sudden, you're turning the page. You're having him focus on a broader picture with his offense, and all of a sudden, hey, you have coaches in place that are helping these guys get into a position to win, and that's not always something we could have said about the Miami Dolphins.
1: But we could say... a. We can say that about the Miami Dolphins now, and that's a good feeling. And all of this is a really good feeling, and I hope we can keep this good feeling rolling throughout the whole season. Because like you said earlier, Josh, this does feel different, and it does feel special. But, uh, you know, battered Dolphin syndrome, we're, we're all sitting here, like you said, waiting for this this carriage to turn into a pumpkin when the clock strikes midnight, which hopefully doesn't
2: happen. Yeah, I was just gonna say I'm way too confident right now just sitting here knowing that we play Sunday night against Patriots. I'm just I feel different than I would have, you know, like I told Jake on the last pod much different this week than I did last week because you were just sitting there waiting to see it all happen. And I thought they exceeded expectations except defensively, which um, we'll see how that goes. But guys, it was just awesome to come on here and talk stock up stock down with you and to be along on this roller coaster ride because this is going to be a hell of a year.
0: Merrick, before we uh, let you go here, can we get some uh, Patriots thoughts from you? I think it's going to be kind of a weird matchup. Just when you consider 2017 last year, uh, week one, and then the Pats got the win late in the season. I mean, probably wants a little revenge.
1: Yeah, Tua undefeated against the New England Patriots, 4-0 against the New England Patriots. Um, Hopefully we don't get the weather that they saw last week in New England when when the Eagles came to town. Uh, I just... I feel somewhat nervous with that rushing defense because Bill Belichick, he loves, he switches his game plan plan up every single week based on the opponent he's facing. And you can't tell me he didn't watch the Chargers run for what, 240 yards against this Vic Fangio defense and he's not salivating at the thought of, yeah, let me do that, let me do that. Let's let's pound the rock with Stevenson and Zeke Elliott. And then, you know, as much crap as I like to give him, McCorkle Jones looked pretty decent. He looked pretty all right. He passed for over 300 yards. Uh, that was on 54 attempts, by the way. But he did pass for over 300 yards, three touchdowns, had the one interception. Um, you know, not quite a tour performance, but uh, pretty decent for McCorkle Jones there. So uh, I think it's going to be a closer game than maybe some Dolphins fans would like to admit. But uh I- I'm looking forward to it. And like Josh said earlier, let's get these throwbacks. Can we sign a petition? Can we get something started? I know it's Wednesday, but can we we get something started right now to get these throwbacks worn?
0: I don't want to be the, well, actually guy, as I pump up my, my glasses here, but I'm pretty sure it's a big league thing and you can only change things like once every three years, there's some really tight rules about how alternatives and throwbacks and how these different things work. Definitely not trying to be that guy. I wish I was just like with you guys, uh, Tom barfinkel make this happen. But I think it's a little more complicated than that. But but I, I appreciate you guys fighting the good fight with that one. And no, at that- least for
1: this game, though, they're wearing those old red throwbacks with Pat, whatever that Patriots name is, Pat, right? Like they're creative like that um, on the side of the helmet. Like we could get ours. It'd be a classic matchup. It'd be looking pretty nice.
2: That Patriot logo always looked like he was like pooping, like hunched over pooping in, in my opinion. I, I think Jake might be right. The The rules are very strict, but I think what makes irks me a little bit is the one year they wore them three times. And ever since then, I think they've only worn twice. So if they still have one in the chamber that they aren't using, that's Let's where go. I become a little upset. So that's what I keep uh, going back to, but maybe the league changed that too. You'd have to watch what other teams do, but who cares what they're wearing? It's Sunday night football, baby. What's the final
0: score, America?
1: All right. Well, I did my homework. Like you asked me last week, I I did my homework. And actually, my youngest son was was very jealous that he didn't get asked uh, his score prediction. So he provided his as well. So I'll start with uh, my prediction. I, I predicted a 27 to 20 Miami Dolphins victory, which if you remember last week, I actually predicted the Dolphins would win 26 to 24. They won 36 to 34. So I was just a little off 10 points by each team, but close enough. But one thing I did predict was that Jason Sanders would miss an extra point. Now I didn't think he'd miss an extra point at the end of the game to only allow the dolphins to go up two while giving the ball back to an offense that had shredded the defense all game long. So I think uh, we were probably all in the same boat there. I think we all collapsed on our floors. Like, no, what are you doing? Jason Sanders, Somehow it didn't come back to bite the Dolphins. You had a little viral tweet about that, uh, Jake. You know, the, the two point lead didn't come back to, to cost the Dolphins the victory. But but this week, uh, I will put on my Nostradamus cap and I will say 27 20 Dolphins. My oldest son uh, has a little bit closer, but he has a Dolphins victory 21 to 20. And my youngest son, like I said, he is quite the pessimist at seven years old already. And he has picked a 24 17 Patriots win. He goes, Who are we playing? He goes, who are we playing? I go, Patriots. He's like, Yeah, Patriots are winning. I was like, okay. Twenty-four to (laughs) seventeen Patriots from my youngest son who hates everything even though he is just a second grader.
2: I can I can relate to that. I mean
0: I I honestly am ready to hear his takes four times (laughs) (laughs) this
2: I'm just gonna send him on next week.
0: I think it I, I think it's kind of this backwards way of like making yourself like prepare and then feeling so much better when you're wrong. Like you want to be wrong. And that's how pessimistic I am. I want to be wrong every time. It's just horrifying how right I am about how terrible things are going to be. 2120.
2: 2120 Sound like a good score prediction. That definitely seems like something that could be dolphins. Pete.
1: And that's what my, that's what my oldest has Twenty-one twenty dolphins. I, I picked a little bit higher on our end just after seeing that offensive explosion in Los Angeles. So I picked 27, 20, but, uh, We'll have to
2: see. We'll have to see come Sunday.
0: Josh, we get any uh get any projections from your uh from your house?
2: You want to do them now or do rather wait till Friday?
0: Oh, I I I'm actually going to start writing these down I think and we'll do I, I was thinking of just calling it like the march of the penguins. I don't know why, but I'm Okay, let's do that cuz Ma-
2: Merrick's sitting here saying, "Well, if you remember my score, dude, I don't remember my score." And then I went <laughs> on another pod and gave a different score. I have no idea what I even predicted. So, I'm going to do that again. So, we'll go what Merrick say? He said 27. 27 20. Yeah, 24 21, 24-21. I, I don't know. That seems like a cop-out. I <laughs> panicked. See, you put me on the spot, just like I'm in school, and I panicked and just threw a damn two numbers out.
0: Did uh, did your kids want to offer any insight? Did they give you a final score prediction?
2: Yeah. Um, The ones kind of is, and Baby baby really can't say much right now. <laughs> I, I'll i get back to you with that. I'll make sure she can say Aria and uh, Marla. Yeah, they can hear you. So, yeah, she said uh, Dolphins 69 to – Three?
0: It's nine to
2: three. (laughs) Oh, I love it so
0: much. I love it so much. That's how you cover a spread right there. Thank you all so much for listening to another Dolphins podcast. We have shows coming out every single day, so I hope you're subscribed to the feed. We will be back tomorrow with some more, you guessed it, Dolphins content. But until then, Merrick, thank you so much. It's great to see you during a victory week. Awaited Victory Monday once again to you for another Dolphins podcast. We will talk to you next time.
1: Fins up, baby. Thins up. Thins up.